The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. podcast with yours truly the kung fu genius aka alex richter uh, rather than doing a normal episode this week as sean had some anniversary commitments i decided to do my long-awaited second ama or perhaps long-awaited for some of you uh, maybe many of you have already forgotten um it's always difficult for sean and i to do these kind of standalone episodes because uh you know quite frankly i really enjoy um the conversation that i have with sean and i think the dudes of kung fu podcast is best when it's kind of the two of us kind of bouncing back and forth and listening to his input is also great for me because i love to you know hear what other people have to say and i'm not really a huge fan of just hearing my voice go on and on and on um however i thought i would take up the slack and uh, record a special episode of dudes where i finally got to answering some of the questions that people have been writing and said yeah yeah, yeah i'll do an mma i'll answer those things and uh lo and behold uh, that gets pushed aside um before we get started just want to say a big thank you to our patreon supporters thank you so much for uh those of you who are you know doing the uh subscription like you know even just a couple dollars a month and those of you who are paying even at uh, higher levels hope you guys are enjoying the content couple of the things we've done so far for those of you who have not uh, become Patreon supporters. Uh, Big Sean has done some really fantastic, uh, usually 20 to 30 minute kind of uh, deep dives into certain aspects of Jeet Kune Do, which he calls the JKD Blueprint. I actually did um, one episode, um, yeah, not very creatively called the Wing Chun Blueprint, where I talked about the timing matrix and essentially how um, Wing Chun applies timing to defend various strikes, at least the Wing Chun, at least, as I understand it in the way that I teach. I don't mean um, Wing Chun for all, and I certainly don't mean to speak for everybody when I say that. Uh, I've also done a couple other little episodes uh, that hopefully are of interest to you, and I have a quarantine kung fu movie suggestions uh, for all of you. That episode, if it's not out already, should be out shortly, um, in which I kind of go into the various uh, Wing Chun uh, movies, or I should say movies that focus on Wing Chun, a little bit about the history of those, and which ones of those I recommend. So, um, you know, you can support us on Patreon for as little as a couple bucks a month, and you will get uh, some really great content, uh, at least at the $5 a month level, which is less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And we will continue to produce those special uh, episodes for you guys. In addition, Patreon supporters get most of the regular episodes of Dudes of Kung Fu a few days early. So really, um, you know, really just makes it easier to be a fan of dudes uh, and throw a couple bucks our way. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, so I notice most of the time when I want to do an MMA, you know, I put something out there on either Instagram 
or uh, sometimes we put something on uh, Facebook, but usually it's Instagram. And oftentimes I'll get some really great questions or on Twitter, people will send me some great questions. The problem is more often than not, I have no idea who's asking me the questions. So a lot of times people's Instagram handles do not reflect what their actual name is in the real world. And so we've tried in the past to maybe figure out who it is or to say their Instagram handle. Um, But I've decided, well, you know, a lot of the questions we get uh, as um, unique as some of you might like to think your questions are, uh, I actually get a lot of the same questions uh, kind of over and over again every time we ask it. And even within one um, post where I ask people, you know, what their questions are, we'll often get two or three of basically the same question. So I thought maybe this time for the AMA, rather than trying to, you know, figure out who is actually asking me the question, um, I'll just answer it because in, in general, these are very interesting topics, or uh, at least I find them of interest. And um, if one person or two or three people are asking, then undoubtedly more people are also interested in it as well. And so, um, yeah, so sorry for those of you if you uh, get excited when either Sean or I mention your names. It's just getting to the point where it's not really tenable. These Instagram handles that some of you have uh, really, uh, really make quite a jigsaw puzzle out of figuring out who who you guys are. So um, wanted to uh, answer actually one very WT specific question, WT being a specific line of Wing Chun that I practice and teach, which comes from uh, Sifu Leung Ting. And uh, someone asked about the difference between Yap Gurk and Tan Gurk. So this is a, a common query I have, especially among many of my European WT Wing Chun brothers and sisters when they come and visit my school. Sometimes these terminology questions get a little um, get a little confusing because, uh, first of all, many Western Wing Chun practitioners don't have... Uh, a background in Cantonese or Chinese, so they're they're basically relying on whoever their teacher's word is on you know what these things mean, and oftentimes their teachers probably also a Westerner or at least a non-Chinese speaker who doesn't necessarily know uh, or have the context to really put these things um, in any kind of meaningful framework. So oftentimes, some of my European WT brothers uh, may or may actually come to me and ask me about a movement called Yapka. And Yapgurk, at least as it's kind of understood by many uh, European Wing Chun practitioners, is some kind of leg deflection, uh, uh, basically where you lift your knee up to at least waist height, um, although I would recommend doing it a slightly bit higher than that. Um, And the toe and the knee are kind of somewhat pointed outward, very similar to how you sometimes see Thai boxers, for example, check a low kick, where they kind of just lift up their leg and kind of uh, check it with their shin. We have a similar movement in Wing Chun, although I would not necessarily recommend it for using your shins to block low kicks. Um, And this movement is often, although somewhat uh, mistakenly, called Yapgurk by some of my uh, uh, seniors in in Europe. Uh, The proper term for that movement should actually be Tangurk, and that is the same Tan like Tansel, the very common uh, um, seed technique within our Chisel. So uh, where does this confusion come from? Well, it's quite possible that, uh, you know, it's simply a miscommunication that happened at a seminar or oftentimes sometimes terminology is presented in books in the form of a glossary. And sometimes people will look at these things and can mistakenly appropriate them for other things. If you want to know about and that can go from something really simple like this Yapgurk Tangurk issue, but it can also uh, even unfortunately spring lots of insanely um 
kind of off-base misconceptions about what certain things mean. If you want to have any, uh, um, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can watch one of my videos on my Kung Fu Genius YouTube channel about something called Kunto. That's K-U-E-N-T-O, two words. Kunto, uh, which quite literally in Chinese is a simple and generic term for the word form. And we mean forms like your Siunam Tao or Cham or in general, just martial art forms. And somehow this term in Europe got misconstrued, or I should say perhaps purposefully manipulated uh, to mean something like a, a special form that is done on the three sectional wall bag. And this thing was kind of not openly taught as something, you know, official, but it was kind of taught and uh, built up steam kind of at the grassroots level until many, many years later, this legendary Kunto wall bag boxing form became something that was almost just commonly accepted within the WT lore as being a form just like Sunam Tao Chamkyu and Byuji when it was in reality the creation of a sea hang of mine in Germany. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with creating new things. I'm all I'm all for innovation. Uh, my issue with it, which you you know hopefully comes across if you watch my Kunto, the debunking Kunto video in uh, uh, that I did on my YouTube channel. Uh, my issue with it is not that someone created a series of wall bag punches or created a form or a certain way to use the three sectional wall bag. Uh, my issue w with it was that they intentionally used a term out of Sifu Leung Ting's book, this term Kunto, which was for all intents and purposes meaningless, right? You you know what words like Paksao and Tansao and Bongsao mean, but then there are like a couple terms in there like Kunto. It says boxing form. And this is so abstract for a lot of German Wing Chun practitioners. What does boxing form mean? that it got appropriated by a Wing Chun instructor. And this Wing Chun instructor essentially had a completely self-created wall bag form, which in and of itself is not bad. But rather than saying, hey, I created this wall bag form, I created a series of you know, ways of using punching and whatever the form is on a wall bag, and this is something that I teach and I think it's useful. Uh, rather, this sea hang of mine took this term from Sifu Leung book and just said, okay, this form is that. And by what I call a sin of omission, this seeing of mine didn't say that he created it, but he didn't not say uh, that he created it or that he didn't create it. Uh, it was a sin of omission that he essentially, you know, oh, here's a thing called Kunto, and this is a form, and this is something that you do on the wall bag, and where is it? Oh, look, it's even in the glossary of Sifu Leung Ting's book. And that term literally just means form, like your forms in martial arts. And this thing had become misappropriated through a ridiculous game of telephone. And so I felt like debunking it. And, you know, my, my issue was not the actual form itself. My issue was the lying about the origins of it, right? So that's kind of an extreme example about how terminology can sometimes go way off base when you have people who don't necessarily have an anchor in the language in, in any shape or form and... Um, of a lot of the Chinese people who do actually live in Germany, uh, most of them tend not to be Cantonese speakers. Uh, with the, you occasionally find Cantonese speakers in some bigger cities in Germany, sometimes in Berlin, um, but it's actually quite rare. So most, if any, Chinese immigration is usually from mainland China. 
and uh, a fair amount of the Asians who live in Germany are actually um, from from Vietnam. So that's why it's not like if you're practicing Wing Chun in Germany, you can just go and um, you know visit your, you know your schoolmate whose parents are from Hong Kong and ask them. Uh, so oftentimes these things get thrown uh, way 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 for a loop. So anyway, that Kunto thing is an extreme example. So this Yupgurk Tangurk thing is a much more subtle example of uh, kind of misunderstandings here. So. This technique, this leg technique of which your knee is up and your foot is somewhat to the side, your toe is pointing out, which is used to deflect knee strikes or deflect close range kicks or um, or whatnot, is probably called Tangerk, just like Tansa, as I mentioned before. So why was it called Yapgerk in uh, in you know many uh, European uh, you know practicing uh, Wing Chun places, right? So the problem is that actually Yapgerk doesn't really make sense as a technique. Yep, as far as I understood it, yep means to enter, like to go inside, uh, to go inside an entrance, right? So uh, you often see in Hong Kong a Chinese sign, yep hao. Yep hao is literally entrance, all right? So it means to go into the door, right? And yep means that your leg has to enter. So that would actually be the most literal translation of yep it's usually applied uh, by many Chinese-speaking Wing Chun masters as part of a phrase, which is usually yap ma, and the entire phrase is yap ma bo fat, which literally means yap enter, uh, ma stance, so enter the stance, bo fat. Bo fat means stepping method or footwork method, right? So it means that this is a footwork method in which you step into the stance presumably not your own, but your opponent's. So this is a tactic in Wing Chun, and it's very prevalent. Uh, you know, Obviously, for people who practice Wing Chun, you can see this in uh, the wooden dummy techniques. When you look at the uh, photo series of Grandmaster Yip Man performing the wooden dummy techniques, and you'll see when he steps to the side, he often inserts his leg into the space behind the wooden dummy leg. And this is often something that is the difference between certain students of Grandmaster Yip Man who had lots of... Uh, um, detailed instruction about the wooden dummy and some of those who may have just learned the wooden dummy form quickly from a Sihang or maybe they just copied it from someone. Grandmaster Yip Man was very, um, I can't say vehement because that usually implies spoken, but at least in the photos and videos we have of him when he performs the wooden dummy, you will always see that he very intentionally inserted his leg into the space behind the wooden dummy leg, making contact with his shin on the wooden dummy leg. That idea of kind of stepping into your opponent's stance, jamming your opponent's stance, is what we call yep ma in Wing Chun, right? To enter the stance of the opponent. So why would this idea, yep ma, then get conflated into yep gurk, which would mean entering leg, instead of them using the proper term of pangurk. Uh, so I don't know about that. I don't actually know what the origin of this misnomer is. I know that in my time learning privately from Sifu Leung Ting, he never called it yep In fact, he would get very salty if someone, if he showed a tangurk technique and someone said, is that yep And he would, you know, quite angrily say, there is no no what's so called yep in Wing Chun, right? So, uh, which led to some awkward moments when we would have some Euro European visitors at our school. And so the only thing I can think of is that he may have been explaining something at some point in regards to the Tan Gurk, 
uh, and that explanation might have gotten conflated with the name of the movement. So what I couldn't, what I can surmise is Pangurk, which is a movement, obviously, uh, or as I previously mentioned, to deflect an incoming leg strike. So, for example, someone gives you a knee with their right leg, you circle with your right leg to the outside of their knee, and you use your shin to basically deflect their knee strike to the side your foot would essentially be under their leg at that point. So at that point, you would step forward and you would already be in their stance. So the Tangerk is a uh, easy bridge, to use Wing Chun terminology, to enter into the opponent's stance. So while I have absolutely no dog in this fight in terms of how did this term Yapgurk come to be uh, instead of using the correct term Tangerk for WT people, I can only surmise it had something to do with the fact that Tangurk often allows you to enter into the opponent's stance, thereby creating a Yapgurk or Yapma entering the stance of the opponent. So uh, I, you know, apologize for some of you who are not WD practitioners, um, but I hope that, you know, within the explanation of terminology and and misunderstandings that there was something of interest there for you, um, even if you do not suffer from this very odd misconception of the names. So anyway, for WT people out there, uh, stop saying Yapgur and start using Tangur. Uh, okay, so uh, the next question, I had a one-off question about a wooden dummy book that existed in the early 2000s. Um, this wooden dummy book was published uh, in coordination with a Chinese Sifu, a Chinese student of Grandmaster Yip Man, and uh, one or two, I believe, of his Western students. And this wooden dummy book published a series of photos of Grandmaster Yip Man on the wooden dummy and claimed that actually the series of the wooden dummy techniques, which we're all familiar with, which is the, um, the 1967 or 1960, yeah, 1967 photo shoot of Grandmaster Yip Man on Tang Sang's wooden dummy, this black and white photo shoot, which was first published in the um, early 80s book, 116 Wooden Dummy Techniques, uh, which was a co-production between um, Leung Teng's publishing company and also Yip Chun. Uh, that is kind of the gold standard because those are the photos of Grandmaster Yip Man performing the 116 dummy techniques himself, which was essentially the final edit of his wooden dummy form towards the end of his life. That's That and the video we have shortly before Grandmaster Yip Man passed away are the only public... Uh, the only public footage or the, the only public evidence we have of how Grandmaster Yip Man did the wooden dummy form. This early 2000s book, I think it came out maybe 2003, 2004, uh, claimed that the series or the sequence originally published in the 116 wooden dummy techniques essentially was trying to hide or trying to misconstrue the nature of the real set of or the real form. And this book even went so far as to claim that there are actually uh, a number of or more techniques in Grandmaster Yip Man's wooden dummy form than 116, which is always very funny. This is always the uh, um, constant uh, ubiquitous numerology problem within Wing Chun. You know, how many kicks does Wing Chun have? Well, Wing Chun has three kicks, uh, the front kick, the side kick, and the odd angle slant kick. Actually, you're wrong. Wing Chun has eight kicks as evidenced by the wooden dummy techniques. If you say it only has three, then you haven't learned the proper eight. And then some smart ass comes and says, well, you're all wrong because Wing Chun only has one true kick. The straight kick is the epitome of all Wing Chun kicks. And so you run into all these circular arguments of people basically trying to one-up each other. You have completionists, which want to you know, mention all the different methods and, and 
list them out. And then you have people who want to go, well, that's wrong to do that because it's actually about the concept and the straight kick is the only one true one. And then they use that essentially as kind of a card up their sleeve to kind of say, I'm not going to participate in this numerology thing. I'm just going to drop my mic and say there's only one. And the truth is, whether you say they're one, three or eight kicks, there are arguments for all three of these being correct and there are arguments for all three of these being wrong. And thus we have constant arguments, uh, which are essentially distinctions without a difference, which I'll, I'll get to in a little bit later, because this topic of a distinction without a difference is a huge topic in Chinese martial arts and Wing Chun in particular, where people will argue little minor inflections as if these things are really the difference between getting knocked out by a left hook or not, and uh, this being the source of a lot of discontent on social media. So anyway, uh, this Wooden Dummy book uh, claimed that there were way more, which is a way more, but let's say instead of 116, maybe, I don't remember, I, I had read the book because uh, I got get my hands on everything. I, I borrowed the book because it was even at that time kind of difficult to get my hands on. And I read it. I don't own a copy, but I did read it from cover to cover at least twice in one night. And as is kind of typical for me when I when I get new things. And uh, the book, I believe, claimed that there was something upwards of 160 or 180 or maybe even up to 200 wooden dummy techniques as opposed to 116. And this is all very funny because, you know, for many of Grandmaster Yeatman students, how many wooden dummy techniques are there? There are 108 and then for those who learned from Grandmaster Yip Man in the mid to late 60s, they were 116, which was essentially not eight additional techniques, um, but just a couple more techniques, but with a slight re-edit. So it's not like it was just a wholesale adding of eight more movements that didn't exist from the 108. It was a, a bit of a re-edit re with a couple, you know, a, a couple little extra kicking movements thrown here and there. So. But now it's like, no, even that is wrong. It's actually 160 or 178, uh, so on. I don't re quite remember it, maybe. You know, and I don't want to mention the book either because uh, uh, I, I'm really not in the mood to get kind of caught in the crosshairs of uh, anyone who might still be, um, you know, partial to what was in that book. Um, quite honestly, and I have explained this, uh, I... I've explained this to my students, and I had conversations about this book, even to other students of Grandmaster Yip Man. The book is essentially fraudulent. If you look at the book, which is impossible to get right now, the book has been out of print. I think I think it only went for one run, and I don't know if uh, the student of Grandmaster Yip Man, who kind of put his name on it, um, got any flack from his Kung Fu brothers and sisters in Hong Kong, but it, it was essentially a fraudulent representation of Grandmaster Yip Man's wooden dummy techniques. They did um, take the original photo series from the, you know, the 1967 photo shoot, and they essentially reordered it to a certain degree, and they doubled up the movements to essentially fluff up and create more sets that didn't exist. And if you have the chance to take a look at this book, you will actually see very clearly that the additional movements or the additional sets are in fact repeated photos from the form as well. It's like they just took photos that were already taken and they just put them together in a new order or just added them to inflate the number of movements. So you will see that the the extra movements that they claim are shown by Grandmaster Yip Man in this set were in fact nothing more than repeated photos which are already in the same book. I mean, you can go back and see them one-to-one, -one, uh, the, the shadow on Grandmaster Yip Man's eyebrow and the, the crease in his shirt and the inflection on his, you know, forearm muscle or whatever is the same from, you know, 
one photo to another that's later in the book. So it's very clearly the uh, copy and paste job. And it's interesting because there's always this issue in Chinese martial arts, which one does not really have in a lot of other martial arts of this kind of the question of form over function um, is the thing that Wing Chun is missing. Okay, is the thing that will make your Wing Chun much more effective? Uh, a bloated wooden dummy form with extra repeated movements. Like so, is that really the difference? Uh, and it's unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen you know forty more unique photos of Grandmaster Yip Man hitting the wooden dummy. Um, but what I saw were just repeated photos from the original series of one hundred and sixteen. And um, there is also, a, you know, without getting too deep into it, there's also a little bit of Photoshop going on in some of the photos as well and changing up the side of the palm strike and things like that, which is very clear to see. Um, I'm of the impression that somebody caught wind of this very early on when the book was published, and this is the reason why the book never saw a second printing, uh, at least as far as I understand. Uh, yeah, I've never saw a second printing of it. So anyway... Um, of course, we want to learn a system completely. We want to learn all the techniques. We want to have a complete version of the wooden dummy form according to whatever line we belong to. And once we have learned that, more importantly, we want to have mastery of these movements. We want to be able to do them powerfully, smoothly, with good coordination. And hopefully, if you're you know, a Wing Chun person that values... Uh, competency all around, hopefully you know how to actually use this if someone is trying to hit you or punch you or grab you or whatever it may be. And that function is often the thing that gets conflated with, um, well, so-and-so didn't learn this or they learned that. And it's like, okay, we can we can definitely point to Grandmaster Yip Man students learning different things from time to time. But ultimately, how do you use this? You know, How is this applied in fighting? Um, you know, do you just use these movements against Wing Chun people? Are these applicable against a broad range of non-Wing Chun attacks? And these are the conversations I would much more, uh, I would prefer to have with other Wing Chun people. But, you know, what you normally get are these kind of very tribal um, kind of, you know, arguments that come from deep within the echo chamber of, you know, some version that they're learning being the secret scrolls. Although uh, I can tell you, Without a doubt, as one of the few people who have seen the 1967 footage of Grandmaster Yip Man performing the wooden dummy and, and the Sunum Tao Chum Q, as well as the long pole, um, those who squawk the loudest about being authentic, you know, people who claim that they're Wing Chun or, you know, Ving Chun VT, however they like to spell it, is 100% the same carbon copy that Grandmaster Yip Man taught. It seems that those who really blow that trumpet the hardest. Um, because that is their that is their thing. That is their fallback. That's their comfort. Actually, you can. It's it's a lot easier to rip those guys down than the guys who just say, "I teach Wing Chun. I learned from Grandmaster Yip Man. This is what I teach." Because to a certain degree, they are you know not making huge claims about things being exactly the same as the old man. They might teach it more from a conceptual standpoint, or their techniques might in fact be very close to what the old man did, but that is not what they value. What they value is, can I teach you to defend yourself? Can I teach you to apply your Wing Chun? And not, you know, that the pinky finger is exactly one centimeter away from the end of the knife, exactly the way Grandmaster Yip Man held it. And there seems to be a lot of comfort in this kind of conformity, but it's very vapid. It's very empty because ultimately, if you have two Wing Chun knives in your hand, for example, and I attack you with some other Kung Fu weapon, can you stop me? 
Or are you going to stand there and compare the way you stand with the way Grandmaster Yip Man's photo is and then say that is therefore the reason why we need to listen to you? And it's interesting because those who do claim to teach IP Man Wing Chun or why IP Man Wing Chun to a T, the way the old man did it, um, those are actually the easiest ones to go, well, actually, if you look at the Tang Sang footage of Grandmaster Yip Man, your chum Q is not the same as the old man did it. Your long pole is not the same. Your wooden dummy is not the same. And these things tend to fall apart and they don't have anything to fall back on. However, if these people would maybe stop making claims about being so ultra-Orthodox and said, you know, our Sifu teaches the Wing Chun very similar to the way he learned it from Grandmaster Yip Man. And of course, he has to apply it or teach it with his own way because he's not the same as Grandmaster Yip Man. Then I think people would be a lot more lenient when, you know, the way you step in Chum is not exactly the way as Grandmaster Yip Man. When your claim is not that you do it exactly like the old man, which you, you know, which is a very difficult claim to make. And so, um, this wooden dummy book, uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys which one it is. You could do your own research on that. Decided that its selling point would be to claim that there's a bunch of secret stuff you didn't see before. And unfortunately, the book failed really hard on delivering that because it just delivered a bunch of recycled photos. Uh, podcast recommendations. So one very common query I get on uh, Instagram is people ask me what podcasts I recommend for them. And I go, well, you know, of course, you must be listening to the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. Um, and by the way, um, I really would love to be able to do more episodes because one of the complaints that we get from a lot of our hardcore fans is, you know, we basically do one episode a week. And uh, sometimes, you know, maybe it takes two weeks for an episode to come out. And in the meantime, we've been trying to kind of appease you with some Patreon content or some, some other things in the meantime. But Sean has a very busy work schedule. Um, I also have a very busy schedule, although my schedule is a bit more lenient. I can fit stuff in at different times because I could re record a podcast in the morning. I don't have to do it, you know, Friday night, like when Sean gets off of work, but you know, that's less flexible for Sean. I would love to do more. Um, but as long as you guys are listening to the dudes of Kung Fu and supporting us on Patreon, of course, um, I will give you some other recommendations. No, no, no I'm just kidding. Um, actually I'm all for everyone listening to as many podcasts as they want. And, you know, it's such a great time right now where, you know, anybody and, uh, who you know has a voice can be become a content provider, and there's you can get so many different perspectives on stuff. So uh, one of the podcasts that I actually I was interviewed on uh, recently is the Jeet Kundo Dialogues by Sifu Dwight Woods. Now the Jeet Kundo Dialogues, you can follow them on Facebook. He does a live stream usually every Friday, but sometimes he does it on other days as well. And you can actually partake in it, you know, by sending in chats and and talking while the thing is going on live. And I had a really good time with him. He normally does about an hour and a half with his guests, but he did two and a half hours with me, which um, I'm definitely, uh, definitely very thankful and grateful for that. I had a really good time with him. Um, he's had uh, Sifu Richard Torres, uh, uh, JKD, um, Sifu of another one of my good friends, Vince, Vincent Benitez, who, whom I've had here on the podcast as well. And so uh, really great stuff. And uh, he's also on uh, YouTube as well. So you can follow the Jeet Kundo Dialogues and uh, listen to Sifu Dwight Woods. He's really fantastic. Um, another one uh, which I recently did is one called Talking Fists uh, with a Ryan St. George. He's got a very long name. I apologize. Uh, I, did, I did a nice conversation with him as well on it. He's only done a few episodes kind of new, but he, he kind of goes the hard-hitting route, you know, uh, asking traditional martial artists some kind of very hard-hitting questions about the, you know, 
efficacy or nature of traditional Chinese martial arts in the modern day landscape of things like MMA and jujitsu. And so I did, I think, a couple hours with him a couple weeks ago. And again, I'm not recommending these podcasts solely because I was in them. Um, but I just have to say, given my time constraints, I don't really have that much time to listen to like a lot of stuff. So um, unfortunately, a lot of the podcasts that I'm exposed to are also podcasts that have had me on because that's usually how they get on my radar. So uh, I'm not trying to be uh, self-serving here. Sean has also been on the Jeet Kundo Dialogues. And he was also, I believe, on the Talking Fists one as well. So you can get some extra dudes of Kung Fu goodness there as well. And another one, which, uh, yes, I was on, but this uh, uh, is called the Martial Arts uh, Martial Arts Mania podcast. And uh, with my good friend A.J. Riccardi and uh, Gavin Kelly, they tend to go a little bit more into the movie side of uh, martial arts. Uh, kung fu films and also just kind of movies in general um there, there are a couple of kung fu movie podcasts out there i think one is like the kung fu drive-in podcast which i think is like the number one uh kung fu podcast or mar- one of the top martial arts podcasts um they're they're really good i like aj's podcast uh the martial arts mania podcast um because uh, he's like a, uh, a kind of a movie freak like i am and so it's uh it's nice to find someone who's like a kindred spirit uh on those topics so um so yeah jeet kundo dialogues talking fists and martial arts mania podcast would be my uh top recommendations um and like i said i don't really have that much time to listen to podcasts um given the uh workload that i have on a regular basis but one of the things i do is i listen to a lot of youtube um Sometimes when I'm working and I just need a moment and you know I want to re- recharge my uh, creative flow, um, I really like to listen to Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen has a great YouTube channel where he just talks about different topics. Uh, you know, obviously it's more for people who are into MMA. Um, and uh, Luke Thomas is also um, another MMA YouTuber who's really fantastic. And I like to listen to MMA YouTube not because you know not just because I'm a huge. Uh, uh, MMA fan, but also it's really easy to get kind of sucked into the echo chamber of Kung Fu and Jeet Kune Do when you're doing this for a living. And so you you tend to just kind of hear the same opinions about Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do. Um, in my case, obviously more for Wing Chun. And generally, a lot of traditional Chinese martial arts stuff tends to be very overly conservative. And you, you don't you don't have a lot of innovation going on in traditional Chinese martial arts, unfortunately. And I think that that's a shame because most traditional Chinese martial arts were created because they needed to innovate. They needed to create a new style which allowed them to fight against the old style. So there was a point in time when Wing Chun was um, very radical. It was a very radical departure from those martial arts which had existed before. And it was, in essence, very modern. And, uh, and very progressive. And then at some point it became institutionalized. And now it seems that there's a lot of fear in modernizing Chinese martial arts because if you modernize Wing Chun, for example, there's always this identity crisis. You know, at what point is your Wing Chun so modern that it's no lo- that you're no longer, quote unquote, really doing Wing Chun? And so because a lot of Chinese martial arts are defined Um, at least when they're passed on by the specific sets and forms and drills and whatnot. And that essentially being almost like a museum piece that is curated and passed on to the next generation. Therefore, you know, adding modern elements or changing up how some of the training methods are uh, taught, you know, is seen as kind of a departure of the core and therefore seen as a 
degradation of the style in general. And this is this is a topic probably perhaps for its own podcast as well. I don't necessarily believe that. I, I'm someone, I guess you could probably say that I sit on the fence. Uh, I, uh, I believe that Wing Chun, the traditional style, meaning the forms and the footwork and the drills and, and you know, the traditional setup and everything should be preserved. And I think that everyone who learns Wing Chun should learn those things. But I believe that a modernization of the application, how Wing Chun is used in a modern day scenario can absolutely be updated without it deterring from the traditionalness of the style for people who really do like traditional Chinese martial arts for the aesthetic that they give people. There's absolutely, it doesn't have to be binary. There's This is one of the things I talked about on the Talking Fist podcast is that there's, there's always this binary idea of either you are traditional and authentic, and these are all loaded words, or you are modern and progressive. And I don't understand why everyone needs to look at it in such a binary way. You can pass on traditional, authentic, orthodox, whatever your buzzword is, Wing Chun. And still also teach people how to properly defend themselves in a 21st century context. Uh, you can even go on to expand that in terms of how they can apply Wing Chun even in the ring to fight against modern martial artists. Um, and not just go on the, well, we do self-defense, therefore we don't have to partake in that conversation. Um, there are ways to do both. And so I don't believe, that's why I say I sit on a fence, right? And part of the reason why I do that is not just my specific upbringing, um, you know, having a, a, a nice martial arts base growing up, um, but also the Leung Teng Wing Chun school in general is, has always been a bit rebellious and heretical in terms of uh, comparing it to some of the other um, extremely conservative lines of Grandmaster Yitman's Wing Chun. But part of the reason is because I also listen and talk to people who have a completely different viewpoint than I do. Because even if you don't agree with certain people, or even if you end up not partaking to their way of thinking or whatever, your own understanding uh, of whatever you do can only be strengthened by listening to opposing viewpoints. And you have to be really mindful when at some point you look around you, especially if you're a martial arts school owner, and everyone in your school, all your assistants, everyone who's around you is someone who essentially only agrees with you. And then you have to be even more alarmed when the content you consume is content that only stands to agree with your viewpoint. You need to be very careful of getting into this kind of situation because this will do nothing but cause stagnation. So I make it a point every day to watch a YouTube video that I wholeheartedly disagree with. Like I can tell from the thumbnail I disagree with. The funny thing about this experiment is oftentimes you find out you watch the video and you don't really disagree with it because thumbnails and the way these things are promoted on YouTube's algorithm make it seem like the video you're about to watch is like a complete takedown of whatever, you know, sacred cow you believe in. And you watch it and find out, oh, no, it's not actually that. That's just what the thumbnail looks like. So you'll click on it. But sometimes it is. And that's OK. Uh, what people have to learn, especially in Wing Chun, because Jeet Kune Do people, arguably, at least in theory, should be more modern and open-minded than us Wing Chun folk. Wing Chun folks need to get need to stop getting upset about someone having a point of view or opinion that you completely disagree with. Because the fact that someone looks at Wing Chun differently, they have a different approach to teaching, their forms look different or whatever, is no insult or affront to what you have learned. And so people need to stop seeing it that way. So when someone says in Wing Chun, we should, you know, close the gap as quickly as possible when someone does X. 
And your Wing Chun style says you should read the shoulders and try to block the kick with your hands and then go forward, whatever it is. So, you know, the difference between stepping, you know, immediately going in and hitting someone and, you know, maybe moving to the side or whatever. You don't need to look at the take of Wing Chun that, that is not the same as yours as somehow being an affront to what you do. You can look at it as an alternate take. And you can also say, all right, I might be very partial to my Wing Chun style because I've been training it for a number of years and I can apply it competently against someone trying to hurt me, which is, first of all, the most important thing. Can you apply what you have learned in fighting? Okay, Because if you can, then you don't need to be upset if someone says something else because you can actually do the thing that your Sifu taught you and you can do it well. You can reliably defend kicks and punches that are coming your way from people who don't care whether you're a Wing Chun person or not. And if someone says something totally different, and you are still competent, you can look at it and go, okay, is there a nugget of truth to what this person is saying? Even if I don't like the messenger. And you can create a thought experiment which will do nothing but expand your own understanding of your own methods when you have other things to contrast it to. You might find that actually there might even be another way to tackle a kick defense. Or you might find that, well, the reason why they're moving this way is because their general operating system dictates this. And since your operating system dictates something else, then that is a philosophical difference. And since you have two philosophical differences in how you approach Wing Chun, you don't need to look at their technical expression as an attack. Their technical expression is based on a different philosophy of dealing with violence. And so if people started to look at it that way, I believe that people would get a lot less upset. There's a famous YouTube troll. I don't even need to mention his name. The funny thing is we all know who he is. Every time I put up a Kung Fu Genius video, he's always in there and, and always says something. And when you, and this, by the way, this guy's been at it for over a decade under this anonymous uh, name. And it's very clear who he is because he's actually dropped, unfortunately for him, a lot of very obvious clues as to who he is by process of elimination. Uh, yeah, look, just look for the videos he doesn't comment on and you will start to get an idea of which lineage he's from. And then it's all process of elimination from there. So what you see is that he has a, uh, in my particular case, he has a, he has a very salty um, relationship with WT, the Langting line, which has nothing to do with me or nothing to do with 99.9% .9 of the people who practice it. It has to do with the fact that at one point, this guy tried to train at a WT school and, um, you know, was very high and mighty on what he had learned from his previous school and um, got smacked around from people who, had a fraction of the amount of time he had put into his own Wing Chun. And then he left and opened his own school and did his own thing. And WT has been, um, you know, his uh, his white whale ever since. And so every time I post a video, he, he basically calls me and all WT people a thug, which is very funny because anyone who knows me knows that I'm a lot of things, but a thug, not so much. Uh, it's quite funny. You see the pathology of someone who just cannot give something up for literally for over a decade. But when you look deeper, you see that his pathology, and again, I'm not trained, I'm not trained in any psych psychiatric medicine or psychology or whatever. This is just me fully armchairing it, but it's pretty clear. His pathology is literally just that people exist out there who don't agree with him and he doesn't agree with, and that is enough to make him upset. When you boil it down, WT people have a different point of view than his Wing Chun. And the mere fact that they exist sets him off. It literally triggers him. And that is a terrible place to be in. And it's clearly the sign of someone who has surrounded himself 
with a bunch of yes men and has surrounded himself with nothing but confirmatory evidence about his narrative being correct. When, um, you know, if he ever wants to calm down and relax and, you know, have a proper chat with me, I can actually show him how his long pole is, in fact, not authentic, but that doesn't matter. It's still good. It's not what Grandmaster Yip Man did in the Tang Sang video. And he would probably believe that it is, but he's never seen it and is not. But his Wing Chun is, could still be good regardless. We could have a very calm and easy conversation, but this guy has decided that opposing viewpoints is the thing that makes him upset. And my, I would implore you to never allow yourself to be put in that situation. Okay, so a couple other things here. Um, uh, oh, the rooting topic that Sean and I talked about was something that really upset people. Probably don't have enough time to talk about it here, but um, it's interesting. Look, I am not anti-rooting in as far as we're talking about standing stable. Look, if someone wants to train a, a methodology where they get in a stance, their partner tries to push their body, put their hand on their shoulder, their hand on their arm, their hand on the elbow, and try to push you off your perch. And you, by virtue of being able to spiral uh, kinetic energy into the floor, and I mean this in the least hooey way possible, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic, uh, or you're able to spiral energy out of the floor using the floor, spiral energy into the floor using the floor, and keep someone from pushing you, and you're able to make them lose balance when they're pushing you. Look, I'm actually not against that. I actually think that that is a very um, good skill to be able to have. I mean, I would never argue with somebody that you should not be rooted in the term of being balanced when you fight, okay? So... Uh, and, and when Sean and I took this uh, uh, topic up, some people got upset because, again, like what I just mentioned previously, they thought that our opposing viewpoint was an affront to their entire worldview. You can believe that rooting is the bee's knees. And someone else can say that actually rooting usually and and I, I, I will be the first to admit that Sean and I weren't very clear about what exactly we were talking about. Because, again, these topics are kind of multifactorial in their application. So rooting, for most Chinese martial artists, uh, is, is a mechanism by with which you can stand very stably and both absorb forces from your opponent, usually through the joints and into the ground. And you can also give your opponent power through the floor, out your joints, into them. And this is often demonstrated through styles, certain styles of chi sao, certain styles of push hands. And it seems to be all the rage nowadays. You know, you have all these guys on Instagram standing there, you know, at a seminar having people try to push them and, oh, lo and behold, no one can push them off their perch. And people get very excited about this kind of stuff. And so I, my issue, as I've talked about before, is that stuff is great. Standing stable, being able to absorb power into the floor, send power out from the floor. This is kind of martial arts 101. This isn't necessarily just the domain of Chinese martial arts. My issue is when those things, however, are so prominently uh, shown as that is the thing that makes what you do ultimately way more effective than what someone else does. And then I go, well, you're looking at a partiality of the whole picture here. Because while it's great to be able to stand there and absorb power and give power and not be able to be moved, you also have to factor this into the bigger picture of what we're looking at here. In martial arts, we are trying to avoid damage. 
Our opponent on the street doesn't care that you're a Wing Chun person, doesn't care that you're a Tai Chi person. They're going to try to take your fist, their fist, and plant it through your face. Or they're going to try to grab you and put you on the ground and then plant their fist through your face or grab a limb and rip it off or break it. So my ultimate litmus test is, okay, the thing that I'm practicing, is this ultimately going to fit into the entire picture, all right? Even though sometimes we do have to train segments, all right? We, not everything we do in martial arts is the totality. Sometimes you do have to train segments, balance, power, uh, feeling, reflex training. All these kind of things are segments that need to fit into a larger framework of a whole that ultimately makes you effective when you are defending yourself. And sometimes I feel that certain segments of the martial arts totality uh, get such a, a spotlight put on them so as to forget what the bigger picture is. And so if I criticize Wing Chun's ability to defend punches from a boxer, all right, uh, in a boxing context, which is arguably not what most of us are trying to do, but it is something we can look at. Most Wing Chun people will say, well, Alex gave a very level-headed distinct or uh, level-headed discussion about, you know, how maybe some of Wing Chun's training methods in defending punches might be a bit antiquated when you specifically apply them to ring fighting. Not talking about street fighting or self-defense. You guys can still have that. But let's say fighting against a boxer, all right? Then maybe uh, in that particular application, we might need to update the way that we practice our punches or punch defense or whatever it is. Most people don't have a problem with that. They can say, see, it's a very level-headed discussion about how we can maybe update some of the training methods. I start talking about the sacred cow of rooting, and oh man, you should see the messages we get. Well, you've never done it with this guy, and I tried to push him, and I can't move him at all. And the mistake that a lot of people make, or some some Wing Chun guy wanted to reach out to us because you know we had a very unnuanced way of looking at uh, of rooting, and he wanted to kind of set us straight. The mistake that people make sometimes when you disagree with them is they assume you disagree with them because you do not have access to what they had access to. And in every single instance of someone getting upset about my take on rooting, which arguably Sean and I were slightly more on the side of talking about these rooting demonstrations where a Sifu will stand there and have a row of people trying to push his arm or her arm and they cannot knock them over. Or, you know, having all these demonstrations where people are trying to push your shoulder or push your body and they cannot move your body. It was a little bit more on that as opposed to it being a firm application of rooting in the chaos and stress of sparring or or, or uh, unchoreographed chi sao or um, or something like that. Of course, if we're doing free chi sao and we're sparring or we're doing normal fighting or whatever, yeah, I want from moment to moment to stand stable and to be able to apply a power to my opponent. That is a very pragmatic and practical way of looking at rooting. What we're talking about are these guys in the silk pajamas who are standing there or they stand on the scale. We have all seen that demonstration. They stand on the scale on one leg and then they invite someone to come and push their arm. And then what you see is that the weight on the scale is going up because the power is going into the floor. And this is the proof that they are rooting the power into the floor. My issue is more with stuff like that. Now, some of those things require a certain amount of skill to be able to show. All right. Not all Kung Fu demonstrations are hokey because they are fake. They're hokey because they mislead you into believing that that has a specific application to stopping someone from separating your consciousness in a street fight, which for me is the ultimate lit litmus test. 
I'm all for segments. But does this segment fit into the totality of someone who's going to stand in front of me who doesn't care that I'm a Wing Chun person, doesn't care who I am, doesn't care who I learn from, maybe doesn't even know, and wants to do serious violence on me for whatever reason. Maybe they don't like the sound of my voice. Maybe they think I talk too long. I don't know what it is. Are the segments that I'm collecting in my martial arts training, are they ultimately going to be able to be put together into a cohesive whole that will help me? from stopping this person from committing violence? Or am I putting way too much shine and spotlight on segments that are maybe highly overrated in their general use in fighting? And so again, balance, the ability to transfer power into your opponent, the ability to absorb power in your stance, these are all good things. So for those of you who look at rooting as essentially an applied way of using balance under movement and pressure, I am with you. So let us make that clear. But when we get into these demonstrations, okay, uh, somebody asked me because some, you know, people like these demonstrations. So I was doing a Zoom class the other day and someone said, well, what about the whole scale thing, standing on the scale and all that? I literally just pulled out a scale and demonstrated it and did all these standing on one leg and let my couple students push my arm and and you know allowed you know someone to push me in the stance in different positions and I stood there and they put their hand on my shoulder and pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed they couldn't move me and then I moved my shoulder forward and they were the ones that moved the mistake people make is when they think that I'm giving an un-nuanced view of rooting they don't realize I've been doing this for a very long time I have exchanged with people who are high level in internal martial arts high level in Wing Chun, I've seen all of these demonstrations of rooting and standing, and I can demonstrate all of these things. And I can I can have my students try to push me, and they can't push me, and I can push them back, and I can spiral energy into the floor. I can do all those things. Those things are fine, but that is not ultimately the most important thing when someone wants to separate your face from your consciousness. And that was my main issue. And people lost their minds. It's so crazy. All right, so, um, yeah, so I suppose, wow, already almost an hour went by. I did want to discuss a little bit about a distinction without a difference, but I think actually I've kind of, that's kind of a recurring theme when I talk about all the little gripes Wing Chun people have with each other. Uh, they are arguing things that are different from each other, but these are essentially distinctions without a difference. Uh, so, or differences, I should say, without a distinction, right? That can go either way. And so uh, be mindful when you kind of go into a wormhole about arguing certain things uh, or company lines that are uh, essentially... Um, you know, distinctions without a difference. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, uh, thank you so much for our Patreon supporters. And thank you so much for you uh, all just who, you know, are huge supporters of the dudes. Even if you're not on Patreon, you listen to our podcast, you repost them. We really appreciate it. As always, um, if you have not done so already, uh, please give a like on our Facebook page for the Dudes of Kung Fu. Please uh, go ahead and uh, follow uh, Dudes of Kung Fu on Instagram and uh, feel free to repost and uh, let us know the kind of content you guys like as well and uh for me personally if you guys would uh, uh give me a, a subscribe on the kung fu genius channel on youtube i definitely appreciate that and i uh, hope you guys enjoy this and uh sean and i will be hearing uh, or you'll be hearing from sean and us uh or sean and i man it's been a long day sorry i need to have another coffee you will be hearing from sean and i very shortly all right guys take care stay safe and thank you for following the dudes of kung fu thank you for listening to our latest episode 
Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!